Hey there! This is Justin from Worst in the Industry. We have a lot of laughs on our show, and we get into some pretty heated topics, so it's important to remember that the views expressed by the hosts of Worst in the Industry are their own, and are in no way representations of the views held by the Planet Ant Podcast Network, or Planet Ant as an organization. Yell at us, not them. Thanks, and enjoy the show. This has been a production of Planet Ant Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Did you see, okay, did you guys see that stupid thirst trap picture that he posted on the fucking uh, Instagram Joe page? Joe Biden? Yeah. I'm sorry, scroll he, back. Joe Biden posted a thirst trap? Okay, yeah, it was him It was him when he was like 20 years old. And don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong, he was pretty good looking at 20, like, I gotta give him that. But he was like, this young strapping lad would have gotten the vaccine. Hey, uh, so Tyler, let's let's break down everything you just said and how wrong all of it is. First of all, Joe, Bri- Joe Biden's never posted anything on social media because he his brain started debilitating when it exploded live on air in the fucking 80s. So he's never used social media personally. Somebody else posted that. Oh, absolutely. Second of all, there's no such thing as a thirst trap involving Joe Biden because even when he was young and spry, he was still a frothing-at-the-mouth conservative psycho. I sent it in chat. Go look he at it. He looks like if Lee Harvey Oswald had a good dad. Yeah. He's not bad looking. <laughs> like, he, lo- he looks like if Lee Harvey Oswald came from a good home. What's in that bag? A gun the CIA gave him to try and kill Fidel Castro? I, I assume it looks like a bottle of wine. It's, I was going to say, Joe Biden was at no point competent enough to kill anyone. Okay, none of the people they sent to kill Fidel Castro were competent enough to kill anyone. We're not plugging blowback, blow but... uh. Uh, I, but I've been listening to it, and also I've been reading fe- fucking Family of Secrets, and also I've been, uh, chewing, uh, all my fingers down to the bone, grinding my teeth into dust, and drinking like a fish. It, we just need to get this series out so that way Colin doesn't, like, run screaming into the sea. Oh, I've done that a few times, but I only get to the parking lot. My girlfriend always manages to pull the leash short. <laughs> All right. right. Y'all want to get into it? Yeah, yeah. Well, let me throw up a quick intro here. But Um, first, here's our first sponsor, Raid Shadow Legends. I want to fucking kill you with the rock. I'm going to pull a Schneider brick out of a pile of rubble, and I'll fucking brain you with it. You know what? Have you heard of Skillshare? It's a solid brick. It's a strong brick. Skillshare. Skillshare. Stop talking. Hello, Fresh. Tyler's absolutely joking. Our, our true sponsor for this episode is Mr. Pin. Use homo co- uh, promo code FUCKMYPUSSY at checkout for 10% off. <laughs> I, honestly, I would chill for Mr. Pib. If Mr. Pib's like, I would. we want you, we Wait, want who you makes young. Mr. Pib? Mr. Pib. Mr. Pib. No, somebody the makes Mr. Pib. It's the Pib. Don't look it up. It's the Pib family. No, I'm Please looking it up. Look it up. I'm ruining it for Please myself. Don't look it up. It's going to be PepsiCo. Coca-Cola <laughs> Company. I don't know why when I searched Mr. Pib it came up with this, but Colin. It's it's its flavor is referred to as spicy cherry. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> Leninade. 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 Nice. I bought a bottle of that at Motor City Comic Con once. That's it's okay. hilarious. Oh, uh, it's uh, made by Coke. Yeah, Mr. Pib is great though. Yeah. If Mr. Pib came to our door, you know, with the kindly old man, Mr. Pib, he came to no, me. Oh, the Mr. Pib. Reginald yeah, if Pib. Mr. If Reginald G. Pib came to our door and he, you know, the, the bungalow that all three of us live in together, uh, you know, three's a company style. If he came in and he was like, you boys, you're going to save the Pib fortune. I've been listening to your podcast. You're really giving those cocksuckers a run for their buddy. 
I'd like to fill every hole you got with Mr. Pip and cold hard cash. Enema me with like, Mr. Oh, Pip. Anything I... for you, anything for you, Mr. Pip. You've done so much for me already. Why are you making it sound like we're all gonna get fucked by Mr. Pip? Oh, that's just how we do things. Back in my day, when you completed a deal, you'd fill a man's hole with your product just to let him know you meant business. Mr. Pib, Mr. Pib, do you have an do you have an erection right now? Oh, I'm always hard. Been hard for fifty years now. Back when they gave me those speed balls, they were saving from Hitler's like a secret stash. It's it, it's the pib keeps me turgid. Hey, hi, hello, and welcome back once again to Worst in the Industry, uh, the show where these three loose rivets on the hull of the Edmund Fitzgerald attempt to keep back the deluge of misinformation that surrounds us at all times. <laughs> my name is Justin St. Peter, and uh, my relatives are not directly, <laughs> directly responsible for any major disasters that I know of. <laughs> to my left. My name is Colin Stanley. And uh, my ancestors were in the coal room on the Hindenburg. Uh, they were Polish, so they were being used for fuel. To my left. My name's Tyler, and <clears throat> I guess now I'm directly responsible for the Edmund Fitzgerald, so. Great song. Take uh, that credit, too. Gordon Lightfoot. All right, so Tyler, you, uh, you said that it, you, you've got another mystery episode for us this week. Yeah, um... I wrote the word uterus more times than I ever have in my entire life on these notes. But the so, phrase festering uterus only once? It comes up once. Exactly once. Exactly what, once. What is this, Andre Chicatello's private diary? Come on, folks. Come on. Come on, folks. What's going on? <laughs> so, I'm just spit beer all over my keyboard. <laughs> so today... You're so chewy. Uh, well, actually, I usually start my episodes off with a question. Yeah. I do like the engagement. Um, so, what do you guys know about IUDs? Um, I'm very thankful that they exist for a, ma a number of personal reasons. Also, they look like little floss picks. Yeah, Colin can't pull out of his driveway. <laughs> hey, buddy, I can't pull out of fucking bed in the morning, let alone a woman I love, goddammit. I love my wife! Um, I, I know that IUDs are controversial uh, in, in, you know, as far as a birth control goes, because there are quite a few ways that uh, things can go wrong with an IUD, either, you know, hormonally or just mechanically. Um, you know, they, they can just kind of like move out of place and become very painful. At, at one point, I had a, a coworker who her IUD slipped out of place mid shift and she was essentially in debilitating pain for the rest of the day. Yep. Yeah, um, they were, uh, incredibly popular, and then they were not popular, and now there's starting to be more of a resurgence of them because they've kind of worked out all the kinks. Um, but, so they're usually, like, little T-shaped birth control devices that is inserted into the woman's uterus to prevent pregnancy, as you can probably figure it out. Yeah, it pops the baby bubble, right? It pops the baby bubble, right? That's that's my understanding of how they work, and I yeah. won't be corrected. Okay. Well, the bottom at the bottom of these devices is a string that sticks through the cervix from the uterus to the vagina so the device can be removed. Uh, IUDs actually have the highest satisfaction rate among users as compared to other contraceptive implants. Ah, oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> the highest satisfaction rate. <laughs> highest satisfaction rating. We're not sponsored, I'm just a fan. Uh, <laughs> so there's uh, two types of devices on the market today. There's copper devices, and then there's hormonal devices, which have a 0.8 and 0.2% failure rate, respectively. I'd say that's pretty fucking good. Never tell me the odds. Which, this, this episode is sponsored by the pullout method. So <laughs> we use the rhythm method here at Where's the Industry as we're all Opus Dei Catholic traditionalists. Yep. So uh, copper devices work by using copper ions to destroy sperm cells uh, due to copper being toxic to sperm, while hormonal IUDs use levonorgestrel. Levonorgestrel. 
uh, to slowly release doses of medicine, and it's the same medicine that's used in birth control pills, to negate the possibility of a woman missing a day of her pill and becoming pregnant. So it just kind of slowly releases those hormones. Okay. So so one one is like if you put a penny in the condom in case it breaks, and one is like if you had a Pez dispenser full of birth control pills in your pussy. What do you what do you mean in case it breaks? The penny in the condom is going to break it. Yeah, but that's why I put it in there so it kills all the sperm when it breaks. And then I mean it's it, not and then it's, it's, and then it's fun because when my girlfriend and I have sex, uh, it's like when you rattle around like a bag full of change. And I like the noise. Like you don't want to go to the coin. You don't want to go to the coin star <laughs> every time your girlfriend sits down. It sounds like you're going to the coin star. <laughs> Collins over here like, yeah, if I put crocodile dung in her pussy, it works. It's it still does. a spermicide. Still a spermicide. I used honey and beeswax that I put in a dead man's mouth. So one of the first IUDs ever recorded was in the Middle East. And uh, what they would do to camels is they would shove a pebble into their uterus so they wouldn't get pregnant along like a long journey. Smart. That is smart. Like just they would, plugged. so you just you just put your whole hand in a in a in a camel gash and just do like you think, find the. I'm cervix. sorry, sorry, bud. How big do you think a camel is that your hand is going to reach the fucking uterus? Camels are fucking huge. Camel. Exactly, yeah. exactly. I'm saying you're not putting your whole hand. You're putting like up your to the arm. elbow. Yeah, it's you're like getting it's in like there. it's like when dudes uh, turkey base cows. You know? Oh yeah, you, get, you really got to get in there. You got to get a all whole arm up to your shoulder. I want to get one of those big gloves that's just like it goes from the goes from the hand and it, then it like straps onto your chest a little bit. Yeah, I want I want one of those because they're just ominous to have hanging up in your house. So uh, nowadays IUDs are not one hundred percent safe um, in that some people can still have medical issues with them, as Justin said. Uh, but usually it comes from a careless doctor not inserting it properly. Uh, but they do have incredibly checkered pass, as you can tell by in 1998, only 0.8% of women using a birth control method used an IUD. So, we're going to go back to the 1960s and 70s to talk about one specific IUD called the Dalcon Shield. Now, Tyler, yes. what does IUD stand for? Interuterine device. Intra, intrauterine device. Does it, couldn't my penis technically be an intrauterine device? Depending no, on... because your penis isn't long enough to go into the uterus, but also it has to go past the cervix, which is not You're easy. not going to pass that, bud. Uh, you know what? It's like a bone. Never, never say never. In the words of Justin Bieber, never say never. <laughs> it's not a bone. I don't think that that's what the Biebs is. It's, strong. Like it's a, strong. It's strong it's like a, strong a bone. It's strong muscle. It's just, yeah. a, it's the, it's like a super, it's, it'll fight you. It'll fight you, but you can, you can wrestle it. You can, you can, you can get it on the ropes. You know, you, it's, you I've get, been in a give it the rope a dope. I've been in a ladder, a ladder match, money in the bank, with with many a cervix. I've been in, I've thrown many a cervix off the top of an iron cage, <laughs> steel cage. Fucking motherfucker! Oh my so, god! Watch out! Watch out! Watch out! Fucking RKO cervix. So we're gonna start. <laughs> the issues with the Dalcon shield. With who made it? Two who guys. It? Two guys. Del and Con. Two guys named Hugh J. Davis and Erwin Lerner. Davis was a professor of gynecology at John Hopkins and a physician, and he thought that birth control pills were incredibly hazardous and claimed that physicians describing them or prescribing them were incredibly irresponsible. Hazardous how like choking hazard like what no nah. really fuck you up they can really fuck you up. well, well okay, like back like... back then they were they were not great like they had five times the amount of hormones that birth control pills have nowadays oh god so they birth were still pills now are bad yeah they were still trying to figure shit out uh but yeah he claimed um they were like one of the most dangerous things so he invented something more dangerous um Erwin, Ler Erwin Lerner was an engineer, and he was the one that designed the Dalcon shield. So, I'm going to send you guys a picture of what the Dalcon shield looks like. 
Actually, not now. I'll do that in a few minutes. Oh, I, I imagine it looks like one of those ceremonial Klingon daggers. <laughs> so, uh, they claimed a miraculous rate of only 1.1% of users getting pregnant while wearing it. It's pretty good. Pretty great for a pretty great for for night for nineteen seventies, but oh yeah, not as good as condoms, but pretty good. It's Re- better than crocodile dung. But who's to say? But that was only a sample size of about five hundred people, and it only lasted about five months. And then half of them got pregnant, like two months later. Uh, reports after showed their flawed study, and the shield had a somewhere between a five point five percent. And a 10% uh, failure rate. Better than the rhythm method. Yep. So, this was before the idea of using a nice T-shaped device. The shield was a plastic, five-pronged, almost crab-like thing. (laughs) um, And it was inserted into the uterus. And the reason why it was shaped like that is because it would keep the device from being expelled from the uterus. So it goes in the uterus, or like it sounds like it's just like a face hugger for your cervix. It's I think that's exactly. I sent I sent it in chat. Oh, it looks like uh, Kabuto from Pokemon. It's yeah, it's Car- a horseshoe crab. Yeah, carcinization except for birth control. <laughs> Soon all the condoms will have little pincers on them. <laughs> yep. So this design was made by a guy who didn't. The only thing he knew about the inside of his woman was sticking a penis in it. Um, so he was an engineer who had n- no idea what the fuck was going on. Um, it's, so an engineer. Fa- engineers famously not not knowledgeable about a woman's vagina. Nope. So this device was bought by A.H. Robbins, who made Robitussin. And they produced... Oh. Yep, they produced mm. millions of units sold them to the u.s and puerto rico they were produced in the same factory as chapstick and it was sold to doctors <laughs> at the whopping price of four dollars and 35 cents it cost them about 30 cents to make it and then doctors would go and sell it for about 12 dollars. so profit margin on these fucking things massive was high, high. I mean, those numbers those numbers sound small because it's only a few dollars per but the margin on that is massive yeah and you have to think in the context of like hundreds of thousands of units at a time Numbers don't lie, Samoa Joe. Yep. So, immediately after launching the the product, they started an incredibly aggressive marketing campaign claiming the shield was more effective and safer than birth controls. Uh, than the birth control pill. So... Uh, On what basis? Ah, yeah. We'll find out. Oh, boy. This crab-shaped device, along with the (laughs) 5.5% failure rate, caused lots of problems. Resulting in roughly 60% of women who got pregnant with the shield in place resulted in a miscarriage or a tubular birth. Oh, it was, it was radical. Like, it, it was, was like just, a, it was like got a some fucking birth. sick air. Yeah, like he did a kickflip on, on his way out. Uh, a tubular birth is when the fetus uh, goes into the fallopian tube. Oh, that's, that's not oh. where it's supposed to. That's like the opposite direction. And grows, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, it's like when you—it's like when your dad yells at you to stop kinking the hose, but you kink the hose, and then it splits. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I see. Yep, and then your dick falls off, but and then you your know. dick falls. <laughs> but so uh, now you're probably wondering, how could this four percent margin of error? They claimed one point one percent. It was actually five point five to ten percent, but I'll go with the lower one just for. Just for, Better you know, math's sake. Better yeah. for the doubt. So, how could this 4% margin of error possibly slipped by? Surely, the FDA was doing their own independent tests to make sure it worked, before eventually being put in over 2 million women. Oh, I mean, surely. I feel like the FDA was full of a bunch of Don Draper types, just like smoking cigarettes, going like, I don't care what the broads put in that hoo-ha, as long as they had to come free. As long as they had to get a, as long as they had to blast raw. Oh, they got a crab in there? Who cares? I'll cover that in my fucking sperm, too. So, that's the interesting part. No. In the 1970s, medical devices were not regulated for effectiveness or safety by the FDA because it was not a drug. And there was absolutely no federal regulation to stop misrepresenting the failure rate through their advertising. Oh, awesome. This is just like Dead Ringers, that fantastic Jeremy Irons movie. 
Um, so there was no testing on humans or animals before launch. They put it out to market and started selling it. Um, and another way they got uh, they got a little sneaky with the FDA was they did not disclose the use of copper salts in the devices. And they, like, directly told salespeople to say the shield contained a confidential blending of ingredients. Heavy metals. Which, it's like... The 11 secret herbs and heavy metals. Modern IUDs, a lot of them use copper as well, because, like, it's that's not a weird thing. It's just, it's terrible that they were like, oh, we can't have the FDA banging down our door and assaulting our mountaintop compound before Tyler's. Um, <laughs> Tyler... Tyler, I would love to see this mountaintop compound you keep talking about because I want to quit my job. Yeah, I was so going to say, could... is Tyler hiding Patreon money? Like, If you have a compound, <laughs> let's move there. I don't care if it's for a cult. We could all get waco together. I want to get waco so bad. But... Oh, mm, you're going to Waco me, Daddy? You're going to me. Are you going to fucking mm, put an incendiary grenade mm, in my pussy? <laughs> no, just a crab. That'll kill me. So, between 1971 and 1974, these devices were prescribed to, as I said before, over 2 million women. One quote from an OBGYN in Pennsylvania, one Dorothy Lansing said in 1974 that the Dalcon shield was, quote, a veritable instrument of torture, a gruesome-looking device with vicious spikes that made removal difficult for the doctor and painful for the user. I don't, I don't see what the problem is. You just, you just reach up in there, you yank it right out. I don't see the problem here. You just, you just pull. Ah, you just pull. She took one look at this thing and was like, nope, not doing it. Nope, not gonna happen. She just, refused to. Just blowing through a pack of Lucky Strikes. Just like, I don't know what the problem is with all these bronze. Trying to tell me that this crab is painful? Ah, put it right in the pussy. I don't care. I'll put five, ten, fifteen, thirty-five. Thirty-five crabs right in your pussy. I don't give a shit. Pull them right out. One after the other. Bang, 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 bang. Another physician wrote to A.H. Robbins in 1971, the year it was released... I have found the procedure to be the most traumatic manipulation ever perpetrated on womanhood, and I have inserted thousands of varieties. <laughs> that was the, tr the most traumatic manipulation ever, ever perpetrated on womanhood. And do I they know something about manipulating womanhood. I'm, I was about to say, oh, do, oh. are they aware of the concept of marriage? Like, does, does, they're aware of that. If they're aware of that, and they're also saying this is bad... I would agree. <laughs> As we'll talk about quite a bit in the episode, the most dubious and dangerous part of this device is not those vicious spikes. It was the part you would least expect. The string. What? What, did yep. it just get lost up there? Huh. Did it get oh. tangled around? <laughs> we'll get to that. Oh, I got oh, it. Oh, boy. Nowadays, IUD strings are made out of one solid plastic thread to prevent bacteria from collecting inside of it. Yeah, but folks be right in the dick every time. In the Dalcon shield, because the guy who designed it didn't understand anything, um, he used like threaded or uh, braided like nylon, mm, which composed of hundreds of individual nylon strings, which were knotted at each end but not sealed. I feel like this guy shouldn't be making IUDs, but he should be making, like, fishing lures. Yeah, oh yeah. Like, he should be. <laughs> so, um, the issue with the nylon is eventually the naturally lower pH of a woman's vagina would start to break down the nylon. Because the string sticks, like, through the cervix and into the vagina, so that way they can just, you know, get up in there and fucking pull it out. Because the vagina is naturally acidic. Yep. So, Lerner the engineer, thought that the knot would be sufficient enough to keep bacteria from getting into the string, and neither he nor A.H. Robbins would heed the warning from doctors and employees saying that this would not work long-term and should be tested to make sure it's safe. The uterus is supposed to be a sterile environment through cervical mucus, which acts as a barrier blocking bacteria from entering. But, through the degraded nylon string, bacteria would enter the uterus and cause infections. The best quote I heard describing the string was a nylon-encased bacterial expressway. 
I just imagine like a bunch of germs on like I seventy five during rush hour, like, come on, fucking zipper merge, you piece of shit. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, like, oh god, there's always fucking construction down the one lane either side. Come on, what are you doing? What are you, you know doing what? to me? You know what they say, guys. Treat yourself like I-75. Always work on yourself, no matter how inconvenient it is for everybody else. You know what they say about I-75? You know what they say about I-75, folks? It's like, we should blow it up just like you. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, one story from 1973 involved one Dr. C. Donald Christian, who was uh, head of OBGYN studies at the University of Arizona Medical Center. Although this story does involve him putting a shield into a patient, he was incredibly significant following this in making the dangers of the Delcon shield known to the public. So, he inserted the shield into a patient, and then shortly after, she became pregnant. Halfway through her pregnancy, she started developing flu-like symptoms, and three days later, she was dead after miscarrying her 19-week-old fetus. Reported on the case of on the cause of death was a widespread bacterial infection that started from her uterus and spread throughout the rest of her body. Christian began discussing this case with other doctors, and other doctors started reporting similar experiences with their patients. In the spring of 1973, he got into contact with the CDC, the FDA, and even A.H. Robbins himself, and none of them gave him the answers that he wanted, so he started writing a manuscript titled Maternal Deaths Associated with an Interuterine Device. Intrauterine, sorry. Not inter. It's between uterines. Uh, so, uh, this manuscript laid out details of four deaths and six serious infections related to the Dalcon Shield, and it was published in 1974 in the American Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology. <sighs> So he, this he is learned what, from an oopsie. He Sorry. did. He did. <laughs> he did learn from an oopsie. He oopsied. Ah uh, yes. What he, an what an amazing. Yeah, I just imagined. You know, thanks. Column, thank you, Justin. Like, I imagine that he like went before this medical board. You know, he's writing this this piece for the for the <laughs> the fucking the pussy doctor magazine, and he <laughs> and he went. He was like, the the title of the article, like the head of the heading of the the article was like. Did I do that? <laughs> and then it's, the rest of it's like, actually, yes, I did do that, and now I'm I'm actually very upset about the outcomes, and you should be aware of them too. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> when this came out, um, earlier reports were made public, like started coming out more. You know, from a couple years ago, started becoming more in the public sphere. In one report from 1971 uh, by Mark Dowie and Tracy Johnston, they saw many cases of pelvic inflammatory disease, septicemia or blood poisoning, pregnancies resulting in spontaneous abortions, ectopic or tubal pregnancies, and perforations of the vagina. In many of these cases, a hysterectomy was necessary due to the damage being so severe. Reports also came out of the shield ripping through the walls of the uterus and floating freely in the abdominal cavity. The shield caused a whopping over 200,000 cases of serious uterine infections in the United States alone. Jesus Christ. That's... Good God, just saw It's like you have a fucking Beyblade inside going on and just fucking whirling around. Let it rip. Jesus Christ. Let yeah. it rip. Do you guys remember the original Beyblades and how they had fucking metal on them? And they're mm-hmm. just like, give them to kids. It's the 2000s. Who could care? Yeah, you know, lawn darts. Yeah, I sliced my toe open on a Beyblade once. It sucked. <laughs> so, uh, one statistic that I read. For every $1 million in profit that A.H. Robbins made on the Dalcon Shield... Women who had serious complications from the device spent an estimated $20 million for every $1 million of profit that they made. So, by this time in 1974, there were 17 deaths associated with the Dalcon Shield. So, let me throw out some some more stats here. 1973, the same year that Christian uh, got into contact with the CDC, they did a survey of physicians. Based on 3.2 million total IUD users, 
5 out of 1,000 required hospitalization. One out of every five of those involved the Dalcon shield. So, so 20%. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. yeah, it's rough. But, and the thing, the thing is, is like, yes, other IUDs required, like sometimes would require hospitalization, but it wasn't as severe as the shield was like when people got hospitalized from the shield they were like you're dying you're dying and the other ones yeah, yeah. like risking toxic shock yeah oh more than fucking Just, toxic shock like, septicemia man imagine because like i don't think people talk about it enough right like because like septicemia it's it's not i, w- I don't want to say it's common but like of like complications for like medical procedures or injuries it is like one of like the main concerns um it's fucked up like you're like your whole body hurts everything is then like is like burning you have a fever you're like you're delirious it's like i just imagine like when the joker falls into that chemical vat at acme chemical that's your life for days at a time into and then you die. die yeah yep so in 1974 the medical director of ah robbins published a letter in the british medical journal stating there's no evidence of direct cause and effect relationship between wearing the delcon shield and the occurrence of septicemia also that year planned parenthood federation of america banned the shield and immediately recommended the removal of anyone who is currently using it Tyler, that thing you just said, they're like, there's no correlation, right? Yeah. That is the same argument that tobacco companies used. And I know we're, we're going to do probably a tobacco company episode. Probably. Tobacco industry episode. Uh, but that is the same argument that their lawyers used. Um, was that, okay, well. Can't you can't prove it. Pro- you can't prove that this specific thing caused it. It's the same argument. Because I'm doing all the oil series research. That um, fucking Chevron uses uh, with the cases at Ecuador with their big fucking waste pits that they dump everywhere that are, like, giving uh, indigenous peoples cancer and birth defects and causing miscarriages and shit. They're using the exact same argument. So this argument that we're talking about here (coughs) is the same line that every industry uses when its time comes to start to be tried to help be held accountable in some way for the medical fucking maladies that they're causing and just don't want to acknowledge same yeah. argument anytime you hear somebody make this argument they're full of shit and you should immediately know they're full of shit yep so um when the planned parenthood federation of america banned it that took out quite a bit of their market so they st- stopped selling it um And one year later, in 1975, um, the CDC published a study stating the shield had a higher risk of spontaneous abortion-related deaths compared to other IUDs. So, um, in 1985, it's about 10 years later, uh, with more than 300,000 lawsuits, A.H. Robbins filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, and American Home Products, which is now Wyeth, who owns Advil, uh, took over the company and started doling out fr- funds from the almost $3 billion trust to the women and women's families. But the average payout to the people who were part of these lawsuits was less than $1,000 a piece. Does not even begin... I was going to say like 75 bucks. That doesn't even begin to cover medical expenses. No. Let alone the cost of like... burying someone yeah let alone the cost uh like i like we talked about in the fucking ford uh pinto episode right like money does not change the fact that your family member died this horrific completely avoidable death yeah um but it helps to like improve your life enough that you can focus on like working through that grief and working through that loss absolutely like 
they're not giving them any fucking thing. And also, okay, never mind. I'm going to stop, but you, you keep going. So through those 10 years of litigation for the lawsuits, um, they would do the typical deflection and say, it's not our fault, it's your fault because you had too many sexual partners. Obviously, that's what made you get a uterine infection. Your mother died because she was a whore, not because we were, you know, practicing medical malpractice. Yep, and there was a there was an interview that I watched with the uh, the physician who um, made the shield, and they asked him the same series of questions that the lawyers would ask the uh, women in court, and they involved they involved like how many sexual partners do you have. And, like, how often do you have sex and, like, all this stuff. And he was like, I'm not comfortable with, like, answering that for my wife. And they're like, well, why are you asking it to all of these women then? (laughs) So, uh, one executive from the board of A.H. Robbins, Robert Tuttle, excuse me, uh, went on to testify uh, in court cases stating that he and other executives were instructed by A.H. Robbins to destroy evidence of the effectiveness and dangers of the Dalcon shield. Of Although, course, because... Destroying evidence just like the Nazis. So, even though this device was banned and outlawed, A.H. Robbins never recalled the device. Of course not. Why would they? Why would they? Yeah, because then, yeah, then, so then he's going to buy it. If you recall it, you're admitting fault. They exactly. would have, they would lose all those court cases. Exactly. So uh, let's talk about something now that is even more sad. So in the United oh, States, thanks, Tyler. just over two million were sold, but globally, almost four million were sold. Oh God! It's just like fucking Monsanto again. The Agency for International Development bought more than 679,000 for their own use. They were used in countries all over the world, and a lot of the time, not inserted by doctors. The body count of these is unknown, but in a quote from the member of the FDA's OBGYN device advisory panel, if a shield wearer became infected where there are no doctors, no antibiotics, she's going to die. I, I can only imagine. It's. I mean, the, the, the fatality rate on those must be... Astronomical. And it, Astronomical. And, and again, I feel like it can't be overstated. It's not like, you know, obviously them dying is a fucking, like, travesty and a crime of the utmost degree. But it's not a good death. This is a horrific fucking gut-wrenching nightmare. And, like, obviously all the fucking pain and misery that woman's gonna go through are, uh... The, the pain and misery that their family are going to go through, especially if they were in, like, a committed relationship and they were trying to have a kid and they got pregnant. Like, something happened. Like. Oh, you want to hear something even better? What? When A.H. Robin sold these after it was banned and outlawed in the United States, they had to increase their profit margin. What did they cut out? They sent them out unsterilized. <laughs> make it less of course, the only thing to do is just make it worse. Yep. Um, so this was uh, banned in the United States in 1975. And in one example I could find in El Salvador, clinics continued to insert the shields into women until 1980. Fuck, man. I'm going to read off a few of the other countries. Uh where uh, H. Robbins sold the Dalcon Shield and uh, the Agency for International Development sold them. Um, you gotta keep in mind, this is the 1970s. Uh, Laos, Kuwait, Cambodia, Uganda, Venezuela, Libya, let's see, Brazil, Chile, Dominican Republic, Ecuador, Ethiopia, Lebanon, Somalia, Sri Lanka. There's no fucking doctors. Like, man, it's, it, if somebody get like if somebody gets an infection, they're dead. I I don't want to talk about Operation Mongoose, so I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to finish this episode uh, with a quote from Miles W. Lord, the chief U.S. District Judge for Minnesota, 
who was assigned 21 Dalcon shield cases. These cases were later decided to be settled out of court, but in this settlement, the CEO, the Senior Vice President of Research and Development, and the Vice President and General Counsel were required to appear in front of him in court. So I'm going to read this quote. Mr. Robbins, Mr. Forrest, Dr. Lunsford, you have not been rehabilitated. Under your direction, your company has in fact continued to allow women, tens of thousands of women, to wear, a device, wear this device a deadly depth charge in their wombs, ready to explode at any time. The only conceivable reasons you have not recalled this product that are it would hurt your balance sheet and alert women who already have been harmed that you may be liable for their injuries. You have taken the bottom line as your guiding beacon and as the low road on your route. This is corporation irresponsibility at its meanest. Please, in the name of humanity, lift your eyes be beyond the bottom line. You, the men in charge, must surely have hearts and souls and consciences. Please, gentlemen, give consideration to tracking down the victims and sparing them the agony that will surely be theirs. Okay, so I agree, obviously, with this judge, but this is also just uh, a great piece of evidence about the moral lacking of and the ethical lacking of the justice, quote-unquote, justice system. Um, because clearly, if we were in a just system, when it becomes obvious that these guys are doing and, like, and hurting these women purely for profit we would send them to prison, force them to do the right thing, uh, dissolve their company, expropriate all their money, make them, like, just anything, anything. But instead it's just like, oh, please see the light and do the right thing. Please? Well, it's not like this guy could do anything. The plaintiff and the defendant decided to settle it out of court. That's not his... It's out of his book. Yeah, he couldn't, he couldn't. He couldn't do it. No, no, but, but I'm saying in in a in a real justice system, this would not be a lawsuit. This would be a criminal case. Yeah, like, but they would be prosecuted. Yeah, but the fucking justice system is so fucked up that I mean, there's a reason why that if you steal a hundred dollars from your work, then you go to criminal court. But if they cheat you out of a hundred dollars on your paycheck, then you go to civil court bullshit it's all bullshit boss makes dollar i make a dime that's why i shit on company time yeah by the way if you take uh, a five minute shit every day while you're at work it that that almost comes out to like comes out to a little over 55 hours of uh, paid shitting time at the end of the year so you know it's like microdosing vacation i take a 20 minute shit every day really stick it to him it's i got people that watch me so oh people are watching me they just don't care it's the dalcon shield that is a, a honestly a, a just a shining example of one of the worst in the industry um truly i never it's and and <laughs> let's be real here uh, birth control has progressed sure a little bit now that women are like finally involved uh, and, and people with you know vaginas and uteruses are involved in the process um it's it's slow going it's uh you know hormonal birth controls are still largely wildly unpredictable for a lot of women and and the side effects are massive yeah and i mean like you'll talk like you'll i'm sure everybody here has talked to somebody who went to their fucking uh their OBGYN, right they went to their gyno and mm -hmm. their gyno said something literally like fucking stupid like fucking ignorant as hell and they had to go <coughs> get a different one like and sometimes that's even a woman. Sometimes it's like, hey, I've been taking this birth control and it's really fucking me up. And it's, or it's like, it's doing this or it's doing that. Or, you know, hey, I have like this huge problem with my periods. Like I have a lot of pain or I get dizzy or I faint. And they're just like, sounds like you're lying. That'll like be $60,000. Yeah. It's like the, all, all the time, like all the amount of times I've heard somebody go like my period pain and cramps are so severe that I am physically incapacitated and i pass out multiple times a day during my period and then their doctors are like have you tried drinking more water 
have you tried taking iron supplements? It's like, I need anything that's actually going to help. And that's in the 2000s. That's like the past, mm-hmm. like, four years I've had those conversations. Sounds like you're lying. Sounds like you're lying. I like I like that. Believe women about their medical issues. I like we're at a point where it's just like, so, you know what? I think you're lying to get pain medication. It's like, well, if I was, then shouldn't you give it to me? Because clearly I need it. The private medical industry as a whole is going to be a whole other whole other episode series for us i'm sure oh yeah yeah i, I, I mean do we do we have a call to action on this episode or is it just kind of like be, believe women when they tell you something is wrong for the love uh of believe God? women when they tell you something's wrong um you know i know i know in canada women can get uh health advocates i don't know if that's something that you can get in america <laughs> because of how fucked our system is but if you can get like somebody who's knowledgeable and actually has your best interest in heart as your advocate who will argue and help you shop around for a doctor and a practice that actually care about you and your personal health, you should do so. Obviously, it, that's implying you have the time and money to do all that. Um, if not, Planned Parenthood is pretty great uh, if you can get there. Um, they do a whole bunch of things that aren't abortions. Yeah, they, they are a great resource to uh, women and just, you know, uterine health in general and obviously we're three pieces of shit that don't have those parts talking out of our asses so ask other people in your life that have actual real life experience uh about the best way to go about those things because clearly we don't know the fuck we're talking about ever about anything yeah we're we are not the best resource uh in the world for where to get your 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 we called a gyno a pussy doctor described an iud as a beyblade Here's here's what we should do. Here's here's my call to action. Every single right. guy needs to get a vasectomy. They're reversible. <laughs> They're reversible. I don't want to. Dude, it's hard to find a doctor that'll give me one at this. I yeah, know, but we're like, too young. Let's make it a normal thing. Freeze a bunch of sperm, and but then we you, don't need. But that's the thing is that we don't and then need and then you that. you they came you out take... with a male birth control and they uh they pulled it out of the trial period. Because it was uh, giving too severe side effects, and the side effects were the exact same side effects that most women experience and most other people with uterus experience when they have uh, when they're taking the pill form of birth control. It was like mood swings, uh, like like a bunch of the other shit, like all of the yeah. like, headaches, all that stuff, irritability, irritability yeah. like all of it. And they were just like, "That's too much." And it's like I would take that in a heartbeat. You kidding me? Just rather have a vasectomy and have a soup cup full of baby gravy in my freezer if I, if I need it, and then take reproduction away from sex and just let sex be fun. We all need to get on the level of the German electrician who just installed a rocker switch on his vast deference. Fuck yeah! And he just he just reaches down to his gooch to be like, "All right, safety's off." I do like the idea of being able to take the bullets out of the gun, but sometimes yeah. having a loaded gun is sexy. <laughs> before we start talking more about it before we start let's talking let's... more about my breeding kink let's Any, anyway. Is, i just want to say right now Thanks. i just want to say this no, no let me no, let me i just think it's really funny that there is such thing as a breeding kink because it's like oh you mean the thing that sex was meant for it's oh it's just reproduction. oh it's just it's just oh the it's like oh but it's hot because i'm gonna get you pregnant it's like yeah that's why these pieces are here <laughs> it's what it's what their biological function was regard we've just we went full circle as a society to the point where like oh isn't it hot that i'm gonna put a baby in you versus like 600 years ago where they're like i'm putting a baby in you you don't get the option <laughs> they didn't even know what was going on they were just fucking busting oh, in there and, and they were like eh. make sure you don't get pregnant you'll make sure you have it a Billy don't suck on the come out like it's like it's clam chatter out of a fucking soup can. You probably you so probably could have told people six hundred years ago that fucking ghosts got people pregnant. They would have believed uh, it. Oh, oh, you got some of that. 100%. You got some of that black boy on your pussy. You gotta get some of the yellow mucus in your pussy. Yeah, balance it out. Yeah. So thanks uh, once again 
for tuning in and listening to another episode of uh, Worst in the Industry podcast. Um, yeah, this this has been an interesting an interesting week. Next week, we're going to do something slightly more lighthearted. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be doing an episode about fashion and fascism. I'm going I'm to leave a little teaser for that and one. Next, something entirely different. Yeah, after that, we're going to be doing something even weirder. Oh, God. Go ahead and give us a follow on all the socials. Those will be up in the uh, episode description. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Email us. Listen to the other shows on the Planet Ant Podcast Network. Email us with your submissions if you have had a terrible work experience, Still- terrible boss, terrible corporation you work for, petty revenge, malicious, malicious compliance. Whatever story you've got for us, we are happy to listen and read it on air if you want it to we be We still want to do a listener episode. We do not have enough submissions yes. so far. But once we get them, it's coming we are, out. We are awaiting for listener submissions to, to put those out there as soon as we get them. Uh, tell your friends about us. Tell your family. You tell know. your parents over Christmas dinner. Tell your family. This is, this, this is the podcast that we want you to be able to use to back up arguments with your family on the holidays. So make sure they know about us. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna start fucking getting QR codes tattooed on our foreheads. Yeah, so take you your fr- take your friends' out. phones and download all of our episodes on Honestly, their Spotify. If you if you take if you take your loved ones' phones right and you subscribe to our podcast in their podcast app of choice, they more than likely will not delete it. They probably won't listen to it, but they won't delete it. And that's good metrics, and that makes us look good. Those subscribers if still. While yeah. you're, if you're while you're on the app, you got some free time. Like maybe you locked the bathroom door, and they haven't noticed yet. You're taking a nasty dump. That also leave a rating and a comment, especially oh, rating, on the Apple yeah. Podcast. We, we love that shit. It boosts helps our visibility. Yeah. Helps the algorithm. You know, we, we get to we get a, a little pat on the head and a gold star from our fucking corporate techno feudal overlords at Apple and in Sweden for Spotify. All right. Thanks once again. Uh, Bye, everybody. Bye.